Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Before I read this, though, I wanted to just share with you that when I was reading through this, especially this morning, I was struck with the bullets. Genuine, evil, good, be noble. That's like telling an alcoholic, it's simple, don't drink. Or a drug addict, it's simple, please don't. And that's what I find from myself, that I can read these words. Very, very difficult. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast what is good. Love one another with mutual do one another in showing. Do not lag in zeal, ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, suffering, persevere in prayer. To the needs of the saints, extend hospitality. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who live in harmony with them. But associate with the Lord. Do not claim to be one. Do not repay any. If it is possible, so far as it depends, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself. Leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to
stronger than his foes, whose hearts he then turned to hate. You have craftily as his servant Moses and Aaron, he had chosen. Praise the Lord. Our Gospel lesson today comes from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 28. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever bind on earth bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be, lo will be lost in heaven. He then sternly told, ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For whatever will, will it profit them if they gain the whole world but, be, but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man has come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and that he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will, who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior Jesus Today I want to present a short exegetical understanding of the Gospel of Matthew 16. Jen's read a little previous uh, to today's Gospel, so we can put it in context. Part uh, tells Peter that he's the rock, and then later on in the Gospel reading, he tells Peter that In today's lesson, just moments before Peter had responded to Jesus' question, Who do you say that I am? With his great confession that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus just blessed Peter, calling him the rock which the church would be built, and gave him the keys of the kingdom. What an affirmation. 
Peter should have felt closest to Jesus. Just when he may have felt a gap between Jesus and him narrow, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Now you got to love Peter. Peter's a blue-collar guy through and through. Peter's this big, strong guy who was used to pulling in nets from his fishing boat. Peter owned a business, Zebedee, the father of James and John. James and John, you remember, were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder by Jesus because they were loud and noisy. Now these three, Larry probably wouldn't want to hire for his business because they were a little bit over the top most of the time. But these are the people that Jesus chose to be. Ordinary, blue-collar workers, crude, rough, just have his faith in Jesus to follow him. If you ever want a loyal friend, you couldn't go wrong with a guy like Peter, because he would always have your back. Peter had to be devastated by what Jesus said to him. One minute he's called the rock on which Jesus would build his church. Peter often reminds us of our own humanity. And that's his gift to us. Gift to Jesus. Jesus must have been tempted by what Peter said to him. Jesus certainly would have preferred not to have to talk about suffering and death. Peter's words may have triggered something like fear within Jesus. Rage to light scared Jesus and responded forcibly, Get behind me, Satan. There is a sting to Peter's words, a challenge that Jesus reacts to. Why wouldn't Jesus? Jesus and his disciples may have been in uh, Caesarea Philippi. Jesus is trying to find the courage to continue. Jesus is continually learning his mission. This isn't something he totally human. It's something he didn't always know. Jesus realizes by the way that Jesus suggests, the way that uh, Peter suggests, isn't an option. When Jesus articulates this, he knows then the way he must follow. Following God is difficult. We always are always overwhelmed by discipleship. So we turn away, or we're tempted to turn away. Jesus calls to take up our cross and follow his vision to keep us on the path. We often don't believe our voices and actions can make a difference. But if we stop pursuing justice, peace, and healing and wholeness in our lives and for the world, we become, we become supporters of what we actually oppose. Jesus wants us to engage the world. Now, I don't want to have a TV, and so I get my news on my computer. Sometimes I'm mortified by what I see. I've been following the crisis of these young children that have come from, from Central America and Mexico, fleeing the violence of their country. I see these images of armed thugs, men and women carrying shotguns and automatic rifles surrounding busloads of these kids, waving the American flag. And I get so angry they have to get up and walk away from the computer for a time, and then I'm able to sit back down again. I worked in these countries where these kids come from back in the 80s. 
got them in Guatemala, the government at that time was applying genocide against the Mayans. And many of these Mayans were fellow Christians. Half a million Mayans perished during those years. Only a few Christian communities in our country. So when it comes to these children, I kind of take it personally. Whatever happened to the phrase, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free? These armed thugs think Jesus loves. And I'm sure many of them claim to be Christian. Don't they remember that Jesus was a homeless, undocumented alien fleeing into Egypt with his parents, Mary and Joseph? Herod put out the decree to kill the firstborn. Figured Jesus would be at the border, welcoming these children to safety. Sometimes events that we watch on the nightly news may not resonate with us. We may not understand the backdrop or history, the bombing of civilians in Gaza, or the pushback and protests we see Afro Americans doing in Ferguson, Missouri. We have to make ourselves aware of these struggles and make ourselves aware of what is happening around us in this world. Their struggles are our struggles. We live in the age of computers, and if we want to know about a particular subject or region of the world, we have the technology to find out. Now, I want to apologize for my ranting, because this sometimes becomes personal. I just have to get it out of my system. But my point is this. We are good people, and we do the right things on most occasions. Church is an excellent example for others. We have a church that we can be proud of. We do it the right way. But in general, as disciples of Christ, it's not always so much what we do, but oftentimes it's what we don't. This is what discipleship is about. Responding to the needs of our world. Sometimes it needs to be as simple as picking up the phone or sending an email or to a particular politician or official and tell them how we feel on a given subject, no matter what your political ideology is. And that in itself can be very therapeutic and advance the cause of justice. The system doesn't work unless we engage it. Jesus reminds us in today's Gospels of a great truth about life and spiritual journey. Your life is not about you. To follow Jesus is to surrender the ego to a much larger identity. Follow in obedience to Jesus. Obedience is a difficult concept for our culture, even in Christian circles. Our initial disposition is to desire independence, personal choice, autonomy. The gospel, especially in today's text, calls for obedience that is certain to lead to suffering. Not something anybody wants. Jesus tells us what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. It's one of the New Testament's hardest teachings. Generations of churchgoers have understood that being Christian on some level means being ready to sacrifice money and economy or even our lives. We often don't believe our voices and actions can make a difference. But if we stop pursuing justice, peace, healing, and wholeness for our lives and for the world, 
then we've succeeded. We can give up and be silent, or we can. Discipleship is not about you or me, it's about God, which is what Jesus means by the language of We are not to forget who we are, but rather to figure out who we are through Jesus, people carrying the name Christians. Disciples are witness, witnesses speaking. They see even when they don't feel that anyone is listening, wants to listen. Disciples name evil for what it is. They move beyond thinking that everyone has to understand their authority. Saying, Jesus invites us, invites you and me to the disciples to take him on to offer selfless power. It's a risky invitation to accept because it means living in the tensions of hearing ourselves make that great confession. Jesus, you're on the side. One minute and hearing Jesus rebuke us with the other. Taking the way of the cross real and process the task so overwhelming that eventually there's We've had a long week in the street there, a long month in the street ministry. We kind of overwhelmed our street ministry doubled in size. Resources during the summer are just about bottom out. We're going to start leaving, uh, leaving a needs list on the table out here. And uh, on Sundays you can come and see if you can help. But right now we're trying to get school supplies and clothes for our homeless kids that are starting school on the 2nd. So we will put a list out, and uh, we have our street journals for those who don't get If you don't get them, we'll leave a note. I'm kind of tired. I was out most of the night. I wrote my sermon, then I got called out. Then this morning I had to rewrite it. So. This church is what it's about. We can be a model for other churches. We are a model. We don't, we've got to start wearing it on our sleeve a little bit. We've had many people join this church just because of our outside ministry. I remember the other day a woman come by from Fall Creek and she, you were watching the deer out there. They were looking at us. by that. And she asked me this question. She says, we got this person out by our church and he sits and he spits in a can and watches us go in and out all day. She says, I really want to invite him. Sometimes it's really tough. Something that seems so simple is really tough. I said, well, the next time in the Fall Creek, I'll come out. See, that's what here, this church will grow if we just know who we are. This is what our discipleship is about. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. 
And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.